Have you ever prayed for God to bless you? It's one of the most common prayers offered, and in Genesis 27, we find some version of the word bless 23 times. However, what we also find is Isaac, rather than embracing God's prophecy, endeavoring to give the blessing to his son Esau. And on the other side, we find Jacob, with his mother's help, deceiving his father. For the Lord is our defense, for the Lord is our defense, yea, suit defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yea, suit As already noted, the concept of blessing is key in this chapter. And as we look at the opening five verses, it's important for us just to remember again that God had prophesied in Genesis 25-23 that the elder will serve the younger. So here we have Isaac. He's getting old. He's about 137 at this stage, and he's going to live for another 43 years, but he's feeling the age in his body, and he is now making preparations before he passes. Now, from other examples in Scripture, we know that what would be common would be for the patriarch to call the entire family aside for this event. But that's not what Isaac does here. Instead, knowing that he is in conflict with the revealed will of God, and knowing his wife Rebekah would not be too pleased with his intentions, Isaac calls Esau aside secretly and asks him to go and prepare his savoury meat, his favourite dish, after which he will confer the blessing. Having overheard Isaac and what he said to Esau, in verses 6 through 17, Rebekah calls upon Jacob and encourages him to go and get two goats, which she will prepare in precisely the way she knows her husband likes. Now, Jacob doesn't know how they're going to convince his father, that he is Esau. They are very different men. And since the intention is to be blessed, then the likelihood is that he's going to be called near to his father, who's going to touch him and immediately know that this is not Esau. However, Rebecca insists. She has concocted a plan in which she believes that by utilizing some of Esau's garments, as well as manipulating the goatskins, that she can disguise Jacob sufficiently. Her husband is blind and he is aging and she believes she can hide the truth from him. I couldn't help but think how thankful we can be that when the Lord Jesus Christ took on the obligations to be the mediator of the elect and to assume our nature, he did nothing deceitfully but obtained the blessing of salvation for us in a way that was upright and honest. And so in verses 18 through 29, we have the record of Jacob coming before his father Isaac And it begins badly and just gets worse. Verse 19 contains three lies. Verse 20 not only is a lie, but is a blasphemy because he invokes the name of God and misrepresents God by saying, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Isaac, despite his aging senses, is suspicious. How come he has caught and prepared the meal so quickly? How come the voice is like Jacob's? And so Isaac calls him over. And he begins to feel him. And sure enough, doesn't feel like Jacob, feels more like Esau. And so in the midst of the confusion, he just outrightly asks him, verse 24, are you Esau? And again, Jacob just comes out with this bold-faced lie without any hesitation. Isaac then, no doubt somewhat feeling the pressure of time and knowing that what he's doing is under the cloak of darkness and hoping that Rebecca doesn't walk in or Jacob walk in. He feels the pressure of that too. And so even with the suspicion, he eats the meal 
and he confers the blessing upon Jacob. So when you come to verse 30 through verse 40, we have the record of really Jacob endeavoring to get out of there quickly. He's obtained the blessing. Now he needs to get out of there with haste. Esau's going to arrive at any minute. He doesn't want to be standing there when he does. So out he goes. And no sooner has he left than Esau arrives. What follows is that Isaac trembles and Esau laments. Isaac is trembling because he realizes what has happened and that by conferring the blessing upon Jacob, the irrevocable nature of that blessing means that it will never be upon Esau. Esau laments not over his sin, not over his grief against God and how he had despised his birthright, but he is grieving at the material loss. Here's a carnal man grieving over carnal losses. You can also see here how both Isaac and Esau blame Jacob for taking away the blessing, when the reality is that the blessing was intended for Jacob. Now, he's deceiving, yes, we get it, but Isaac should have known that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And Esau, also blaming his brother, is not taking into account the fact that he despised his birthright. And upon request, Isaac proceeds to bestow a subordinate blessing upon his son Esau. And so from verse 41 through to the end, we find that despite the fact Esau received a blessing from his father, he is mad and he plots to kill his brother Jacob once his father's out of the way. Now, Rebecca hears this and she encourages Jacob to be persuaded to go to where her brother lives in Haran, uh, to, to Laban. And that's what she comes to Isaac then to tell him, Isaac, Jacob needs to go and find a wife. She does not tell Isaac that the real reason, or at least what motivated this whole idea, is the fact that Esau intends to kill Jacob. She hides that from him. And really, when you come to the end of the chapter, all you can do is say, this family is a mess. It's just an utter mess. And so we come to application one. God often uses the weak to confound the mighty. It would have been nothing for God to have caused Jacob to be born before Esau in order for him to obtain the blessing. Instead, he he does it differently. And we learn again that his ways are not our ways. And so if you find yourself in a weakened state, don't see that merely as a handicap. See it as an opportunity for God to work and to show his power. Two, all sins are wicked, but unbelief and rejection of the gospel is worst of all. There's no way to defend Rebecca and Jacob here. Upon hearing Isaac's intention, Rebecca should have, instead of going and concocting a plan, just confronted her husband about what he was intending to do and how it flew in the face of God's revelation to them. But the greater sin lies elsewhere. Remember, Esau rejected his birthright. And Isaac, knowing the revealed will of God, knowing what God intended to do, flies in the face of what God had revealed. And so it's a warning to us all. No sin is a light matter. But remember, unbelief, rejection of the gospel, children, this is the greatest sin. If you're going to overcome any sinful habit, any sinful behavior, if you're praying about deliverance from any particular thing that mom and dad have pointed out to you, make sure you pray against your unbelief. This is the worst sin of all. Three, conflict between family members and especially believing family members is ugly and often disgraceful. There's no communication here, no proper communication between the family, which is fundamentally one of the major 
problems that families face. When there's an issue, there's a lack of communication nearly always. Parents, do not allow ugly attitudes within the home. Don't allow there to be a deterioration in the relationships. Fight it as best you can and especially encourage, promote and demand even open communication between family members. So often, just clear, upfront, honest, loving communication will eliminate so many issues. Four, honouring your parents is not the same as codependency. Jacob appears to have a codependent relationship with his mother, Rebecca, and she thrives off the feeling like she is essential to her son. Mothers with strong personalities often create this kind of dynamic. And what they do is they view their daughter sometimes uh, in such a way that they want them to be there later in life to care for them. And so they, they create a dynamic that is likely to produce that so that she's kept away from finding a husband. And the same as with the son. They, they struggle to um, see their son having another woman in their life that takes priority over their mom. And it, it's a strange dynamic, and, but it is really common and really, really unhealthy. The best solution to a kind of codependent relationship is to create distance. And that's what God actually does for Jacob here. Uh, Rebecca expects to see him in a few days, is the language of the chapter, but instead she will never see him again. And God removes Jacob far enough away so that he learns to stand on his own two feet and learns the lessons that God has for him. 5. Tears are not proof of evangelical repentance. We're told here that Esau cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, but he is devoid of repentance. And in fact, what he does is he really casts the blame and the problem upon the shoulders of his brother Jacob, refusing to take any responsibility. And so we are reminded here that while tears are a gift from God and helpful in expressing our feelings, they are not impressive to God if not mixed with real confession and a willingness to turn from our sins. And finally, the sins of men are accounted for in the purposes of God. Isaac and Rebekah in this chapter are trying to manipulate and counter-manipulate, and this is folly. God neither needs our help or is thwarted by our plans. Just as the sins of the Jews and the Romans are considered as fulfilling God's plans in the death of Jesus Christ, so it is here. However, never come to a point where you withhold repentance because you manage to see that good came from your sin. When we see sin in our lives, repentance is always the correct response. Mm -hmm.